Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. We have been uh, talking through 1 Timothy uh, for a few weeks now, uh, and we're beginning to see, or continuing to see, I guess maybe, um, how the context of Ephesus plays such a big role in what Paul chooses to share with Timothy, what he brings to light and and chooses to kind of, I don't know, just put in front of Timothy and say, hey, these things need to be addressed. So it really shouldn't come as any surprise that the text today, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, is absolutely no different. Uh, before we jump into the text today, uh, let me pray for us and uh, and just ask God to to reveal to us His His message and His Word and His truth today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to dig into Your Word to to discover Your truth that You have laid out before us so many years before. Uh, God, I know that You aren't uh, hiding behind some rock somewhere. Um, playing hide-and-go-seek, but you have revealed yourself to us through your word and through your scripture. And so today, as we dig into 1 Timothy chapter 4, I just pray that we would see you and understand you and know you, and that you would um, that you would just be waving your arms, shouting, here I am, here I am, here I am to us today. And that because of who you are, uh, we would be changed and transformed and that our lives would look differently uh, than they did earlier today and yesterday and in weeks prior because we're taking what we're learning today and allowing it to change how we act from here on. Uh, God, we love you and we thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so... As we dig in here, let's keep in mind that in Ephesus, uh, and really in all of you know the biblical world at this point, um, sexuality is is a huge issue, and and the struggle was real uh, for everybody, including Timothy. Uh, but that's not really the only thing even happening uh, in in this you know, in this chapter. And so as we read verses one through six, uh, just kind of note as Paul is talking to Timothy here, that he is cautioning Timothy about people who are bringing uh, a lowercase t, or I'm sorry, lowercase w word that is not the capital W word. Uh, So they're bringing a word that is not, that is not from Christ. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in and read here. Uh, First Timothy chapter four, verses one through six. The spirit clearly says, that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits uh, and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. So, it's not uncommon in any church situation or any Bible study situation for there to be uh, some people who are just confused about what the truth is. Uh, They read the word and they just don't understand it. Um, But Paul's not talking about that. 
Paul is talking about people who are blatantly spreading false teachings and leading people astray on purpose. I I need you to hear that part. It's on purpose. I was reading through a few commentaries as I was preparing for this, and oh my goodness, every time I read uh, and got to this section, uh, man, the authors just let them have it. Uh, They were not... Uh, holding anything back when it came to the the chastisement and the um, and the encouragement uh, might be not a harsh enough word for it, um, but uh, but the need uh, for for leaders and teachers to recognize the huge task and responsibility that it is to bring the word of God and to speak on God's behalf. Um, James says it also, but uh, that teachers uh, of the word are going to be judged even more harshly uh, because our responsibility is to bring that capital T truth and lead others to that same truth. To do anything other than that would be a disgrace to the title of preacher uh, and to the job uh, that people with that title have. And I don't mean job as in they get paid to do that, but the job, the responsibility that they have um, when when they have that title. So these particular people were taking things that God had set forth as good, things like marriage and certain foods, uh, and they were telling people that they were bad or that they were ungodly. And Paul is pretty clear here that what God made for good, uh, no man has the right to claim as anything other than good. So then Paul kind of keeps going. Verses 7 through 12 says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths. Myths. Sorry, that was a weird way to say that. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So, Paul uses a little bit of athletic language here. He's talking about straining and training and laboring and striving. And all of these words bring about, uh, you know, this context, this idea, this picture of an athlete who is pushing to be better constantly. An athlete who is continuously working to go further, lift more, be faster, be better, never giving in and never giving up. When I was uh, when I was in uh, high school, we had this program called Bigger, Faster, Stronger. And the idea was if you put in the work, you were going to get bigger, more muscular, you were going to get faster, and, and you were going to get uh, stronger. And so uh, I don't know that I put in an ample amount of work <laughs> for what they were expecting. But, um, but if you were going to really aim to be bigger, faster, and stronger, you had to put in a ton of time in the gym and a ton of time uh, pushing yourself to do more and to do um, you know, to exceed all of your personal records from before. And, and so he's saying that's what we're supposed to be doing, always pushing in our faith and in our doctrine, which means that we have to constantly be pushing ourselves to know more, to do more, and to be more. Not just so that we can look smarter around other people or to, you know, puff ourselves up, but because people are watching people in the church and out of the church. 
And also, because our goal should just be to be better for our own sake, but also for the sake of others. He talks about some key areas in speech, uh, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Uh, some uh, versions call it in conduct instead of in life. But, but it's how we talk. It's how we interact with others. It's how we love ourselves and love other people. It's, it's when bad things happen, where is our faith? And it's what does it look like to be pure, to be above reproach, in the ways in which we're living. So he basically covers every single aspect of our lives and says, hey, you need to set an example in every area, which means that Timothy can't just say, well, you know, today I talked goodly, so I don't have to worry about any of the other stuff. Nope. Paul's saying, no, it's everything. It's the whole kit and caboodle, as they used to say. It's, it's all of it. It's, it's speech. It's how you live. It's how you conduct yourselves in, in public and in private. Uh, it's your integrity. It's how you love people. It's how you choose uh, to show the faith that you have in Christ. And it's the purity that you have in Christ. All of these words we could unpack for days and days and days to, to fully comprehend everything. But I think if I was going to summarize it, uh, this verse would just say, um, uh, set an example for the believers in everything that you do and everything that you think. And, and I feel like that would pretty much cover it. And it's a daunting task. Uh, but for those athletes who want to be professional athletes or want to get to the Olympics, that too is a daunting task. And so we have to decide, is it worth putting in the effort? Is it worth putting in the effort to be the kind of Christ follower that God is calling us to be? So let's keep reading here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So how can we make sure to do the things that Paul is insisting need to happen in verses 7 through 12? By doing what he says in verses 13 through 16. Devoting ourselves to Scripture to preaching, to teaching, whatever that might look like. It doesn't mean you have to stand up in front of thousands of people, but it does mean that when you have an opportunity to share what God is doing, you have to take that opportunity. I was talking with a student not that long ago, and uh, and they had had one of those aha moments where they were like, you know, all I did was share what God was doing every day in my life. And this person heard me and became curious and is now also reading their Bible. So preaching doesn't have to look like, excuse me, what your campus minister does on a Tuesday night gathering. It doesn't have to look like uh, what your preacher does on a Sunday morning. Sometimes preaching and teaching is simply bringing the gospel message to someone. And so devote yourself to that. There we go again, that, that idea of giving to it wholeheartedly. Be faithful to what has been given to you. And don't do any of it halfway. Do it all the way. Why? Because it matters. It matters to you, it matters to others, and it matters to the spread of the gospel. So today, 
as we kind of wrap up this teaching from 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, here are some things I want you to think about. What are some ways that you need to exercise your faith? Exercise can be tough. It's not always fun, but it is necessary to stay healthy. So what can you do to exercise your face, to, to go further, to dig deeper? What do you need to change to make Scripture a priority in your life? Because Paul says that that's where we're going to get our grit. That's where we're going to build that foundation to take us further in our faith. And what do you need to do to use the gifts that God has given you? And maybe you don't even know what your gifts are. Talk to a campus minister, talk to a minister, talk to um, a trusted, you know, older, mature adult uh, in the faith and ask them to help you discover your gifts. Because we don't want to neglect the things that God has given us because assumedly those gifts were given, uh, and I can assume this because I feel like it's stated over and over again in, in the New Testament, these gifts were given to us to spread the word and to help the body and to proclaim Jesus and to give glory back to him. And so we don't want to neglect that. I don't want to neglect anything that is going to allow me to spread the gospel better or to bring more glory to God. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm doing that. So three questions. What are some ways that you need to exercise your faith? What do you need to change to make scripture a priority in your life? And what do you need to do to use the gifts that God has given you? And then here's a challenge. Change something. Do something this week. Exercise your faith and be true to who God is and to his truth. So those are some questions to mull over. There's a challenge for you to change something up, to do something different this week that is going to exercise your faith. So thank you for uh, listening in today. Thank you for uh, being a part of this discussion. Uh, Let me pray for us as we close out. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this this challenge, this admonition that you, um, or admonishment, excuse me, that you give to um, to Timothy here in First Timothy chapter four. God, thank you for the fact that um, that we get to read it, uh, you know, a couple thousand years later, and it is so very much still applicable to us. God, I pray that you would help us to exercise our faith, give us strength and endurance and perseverance to exercise our faith, to exercise what we know is is good and right and true, and help us to spread that word uh, in any way that we can, um, in the ways that you have gifted us. God, help us not to neglect our gifts, uh, but instead help us to use them for your glory. God, help us to make your word a priority in our lives. Help us not just to think, yeah, someday I'll do that when things slow down and when I don't have as much schoolwork or I'm not hanging out with my friends as much. But instead, God, help us to to allow Scripture to change and transform everything about us so that we can um, change our speech and our conduct and our love and our faith and our purity to look more like what you would want it to look like. God, help us to live wholly and completely for you. Thank you for this passage and thank you for its reminders today. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.